This podcast is for those of you who want to start or grow your business. You inhale everything you can about improving your mindset and may even have the action plan, but what's getting in your way every time? It's those damn human emotions. I'm Jessica Lee McKinley, life coach for millennial entrepreneurs and your host of the What's Happening podcast. What up, papsters? All right, there we go. I was having some mic issues the first time I did this, but you know what they say, second time's the best time. I don't think they say that, but I'm going to say that because it applies here. I am feeling in the flow, you guys. Are you in the flow this week? I used to joke with my old fitness coach that it was just kind of every other week. We're like, is this a flow week or an ebb week for you? Kind of how I say to you guys all of the time that you're supposed to, the human experience is supposed to feel 50-50. You're going to be sometimes in that river of misery, if you if you will, and sometimes you're going to be blowing your own mind with what's possible. You're going to be en fuego. You're going to be giving and receiving, and it's all going to be amazing. And that's kind of the flow week that I'm in right now. I am just out there taking tons of action, connecting with so many people. I'm doing a bunch of hiring. I think I mentioned this last episode. I hired a bookkeeper and am in the process of hiring a virtual assistant and just looking to be hiring another new coach and so many exciting things. And I just hired a professional organizer to do my son's room. It's just so fun. I love all the hiring and I'm I'm also excited. I started with a bunch of new clients as well this week. So the new new and the shiny is feeling fun. But I you guys wrote in as Uh, I asked about this limited series, what kind of highest selves would you like me to speak to? And those of you who follow me or who've been listening to me for a while or who know me gave me a couple of your, your requests. And the one that I loved the most was this question about how do you, how do you just decide you want to do this thing that you say feels impossible, but then you just do it anyway? Right, and they gave me a couple of examples, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about them specifically in my life, the impossible things that I've managed to do in my life. Um, anyway, so I thought, what a fun topic, and and it's such a good question that I feel like I haven't directly addressed yet. And as always, the answers aren't necessarily in what I did, right? Which is the wrong question that everybody asks me when they hear about some of these things are like, how did you do it? Or what did you do? Or how could I do that? And it's just, it's not a great quality question because the how is not something that you can really know until it's done. And the truth is, is that it was more about the who, and it was certainly more about what I thought and what I felt. And those are things that you can take and use these and apply them to your own impossible things, right? Okay, so I'm going to give you 10 ways to conquer an impossible thing. Obviously, this is a very uh, SEO-friendly title to this podcast. It's kind of a trick. Nothing is factually impossible, but things do become impossible and certainly immovable when you believe that they are impossible. 
You've probably heard the quote, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. I love that quote so much. And of course, the model backs that theory up, right? We have our circumstances that trigger our thoughts, that create our feelings, that drive our actions, which produce our results. Because when you believe something's impossible, you might feel apathetic. You might be saying, going around saying, it is what it is. Okay, I can't do anything about it. And so certainly in your action line, you're not going to take the action required to change that. And so then you're going to use the unchanged result as more evidence that you're right. It is impossible. So the cycle perpetuates. But the good news is there's a different kind of cycle, one that I, I so much prefer, and that's the possibility cycle. And I'm going to do this podcast a little bit different than the way that I've set up the last couple of episodes. And I'm just going to go into and give you some examples of things in my life that I have done in times when I was able to access my highest self, this version of myself, the doer of impossible things. Okay. So the first example that I think of when I think about doing impossible things is getting a job after the um the economy crashed in the world in Sevilla, Spain while I was on study abroad um and had very little money and basically was told by my dad, "Listen, we can't send you any money, so you're not going to be able to have the study abroad experience that you want to have. You're not going to be able to travel all around. We you're not going to have that bonus money. Basically, like you can go and you can study and you can enjoy your time in Spain and that's and that's that you know you I had a paid um, I was staying with a host family and so my meals were covered with them right but anything else was kind of extra so what I heard when I when I was told that was oh okay so I just need to get a job now one problem was that I didn't speak Spanish (laughs) okay I spoke a little bit of Spanish like high school level Spanish but certainly not fluent certainly not um client facing or customer facing job fluent um and my skill sets at that time as a 21 year old were just pretty much bartending and so I was like cool I'll just bartend and I remember speaking to my friend Alex who this was before I even got there it was just like my plan for when I went there and he had been studying abroad in Sevilla the year before and he was like listen Jess Sevilla is not like all of Spain it is not meanwhile this is back in 2009 so this is not he's like it's not as globalized like they don't speak english there like they only speak spanish you really are not gonna have people walk in and like be like mostly speaking english like other major cities madrid or barcelona and i was like no i mean and he's like you don't understand like nobody gets a job on study abroad it's like really difficult especially in sevilla and you're not going to be able to have the time for it and they're not going to allow you at the school and i just heard like basically he was telling me it's impossible my parents were telling me it's impossible you shouldn't even go on study abroad you should delay it and i was like you guys it's not impossible like i'm just going to do it i'm going to make it happen this is my plan i've decided it's happening (laughs) okay and one of the things that's step one step one to doing some something impossible is to just believe it's possible and then step two is to dismiss all the evidence to the contrary. So I did that pretty much immediately. Anytime someone contradicted 
how possible it was for me to get a job. I just didn't want to hear it. It wasn't relevant information for my brain to hold on to and think about because it was not going to help me take the action that I needed to to get a job. Like hearing that it's not possible is not helpful to me. So just thank you, but keep your opinion to yourself. I love you, Alex. If you're listening to this, hope you're well. (laughs) He's also actually like such a huge supporter and believable of impossible things. So this is just his experience. I'm sure that he was sharing. Um, So then I go there, right? And every time, so I go and I'm like, okay, maybe I'll be a bartender. Like this is kind of my plan. Very first week, our like host guy guide for our um, class brings us to this bar, this guy who speaks English and Spanish. And I'm like, awesome, right? And he owns this bar and he's running a trip to the beach the next day. And I'm like, are you hiring? And he's like, oh, we just hired another girl. Like, I'm so sorry, but we hired someone already. And I was like, no, like, I really need this job. You don't understand. And he's like, do you speak Spanish? And I'm like, yeah, like my Spanish is great. It was okay. And he's like, well, like, what's your bartending experience? And I'm like, yeah, I, I've bartended before, which I had literally bartended one night at a restaurant that I was actually a server at. And, but who cares? I was like, yep, I've bartended before. And then he was like, still like, I, I mean, maybe I can have you as like an alternate, but like, I, I already hired this girl. I just didn't care to hear it. I was like, okay, that's fine. I will be working here. I became friends with him. I just like really had decided that it was possible. I was like, well, in my brain, I was like, all right, well, even if it's not this, he probably knows other people that own bars and maybe connect me there. So I hung around. I really loved this guy who turns out to be one of my dearest friends and his wife, who is also one of my dearest friends. In the beginning, they kind of probably just thought I was some annoying American girl. And it ended up, they ended up marrying me and my ex-husband um, at our wedding. They they got officiated, uh, they officiated the wedding. They got ordained and married us. And so turns out, of course, this persistence led to more things than just the impossible of getting the job there, which I eventually did because turns out the next day I showed up to the bar and the girl didn't show up. She didn't show up to the job, right? So I show up the next day being like, I'm going to ask again. And she just didn't show up. And he's like, all right, you know what? She didn't show up. Get behind the bar. Like, I'll train you, whatever. And we'll see what happens when she does show up. She never showed up. And then eventually, I think down the line, she came in one time and was like, oh, yeah, sorry. Like, I couldn't. But I'd like, and he was like, sorry, we've already hired someone. And that someone was me. Right? So I think step one and two were super key here. Right? Believe it's possible and dismiss all evidence to the contrary, that it is impossible. Another thing um, that I did that other people told me that was impossible was to continue traveling. After I graduated, I moved to Peru, but um, I wanted, my goal was to travel and live abroad by myself, and I really had no money. (laughs) And I had, I think, $600 in my bank account, and I had no contacts in South America, And I, people were like, well, that's nice. That's a nice dream. You're living in fantasy land. You can't just go with no money. Like, how are you going to support yourself? You don't even know anyone there. It's dangerous, all these things. And I just remembered feeling like everything everyone would say was like this news headline. It was like, girl, go, 
wants to go to it was like a dramatic negative news headline girl wants to go to south america in a dangerous place with no money and no contacts right and that's kind of how our brain reports it back to us because our brains are trying to keep us like from dying or trying to keep us safe and in 2021 where you know there aren't that many imminent threats of like a saber-toothed tiger eating us we it translates danger to like any sort of risk or you know rejection and so our, the brain had a really bad news headline so step three to creating impossible things is coming up with your own winning news headline so kind of flip it I also love in my own personal headline I like to include all of the things that people view as your like reasons why you can't so I'd still be like I am going to travel and live abroad by myself with no money or no contacts. Watch me. Like it's fun to include the other reasons why people think I can't. I'm like, yeah, those things are true and I'm still gonna. So fun. And that's kind of what I've done with all of the negative, um, negative, the impossible things um, that I have ended up being able to do. So I ended up Googling jobs without a visa in South America, finding this job of a hostel manager in Peru, had an interview, went there. I negotiated him paying for obviously where I was staying, a certain salary plus food for my, for what I was doing. And the salary, I saved up every single dollar of what I made in terms of the salary. And I spent all of that on travel. And the rest of it, I just lived my life there. I put my head down. I met people. I made the most of my situation. I had more contacts and more, I don't want to say more money, but about the same amount of money when I left as I did when I went in. And basically, I survived there on less than $600. Super fun. So step four is decide you're up for all of the feels. This is huge. And I tell my clients this all of the time, whether it is something impossible you want to do in terms of business or money. So let's talk about that because I've done a couple of things that are seemingly impossible in the business um, space. So one of those was to be a fitness coach, a successful fitness coach with 500 plus clients. Um, And when I literally had never really had workout experience in my life like my I came from a family of athletes and um successful athletes my mom is a personal trainer and a fitness instructor and I didn't couldn't even run like a mile without throwing up and I just it was kind of laughable it was like this joke in my family that I was like trying to be a fitness coach satirically like sarcastically <laughs> she's like they were like laughing like really like this is what you want to do okay who's gonna take your advice on fitness and I did it kind of as a an experiment for myself because at that time I was trying to um doing some happiness science on what what allowed for someone to be the happiest that they could be and part of my research was of course that your your health and your body play a major role in your and it caps it puts a ceiling on your capacity to feel positive emotions actually your how your endorphins and how your body is working so I was like all right damn that's inconvenient but I guess I'm gonna have to start working out regularly (laughs) 
And so I dived all in with, um, you know, a fitness program and with a coach myself. And she was like, you should be a coach. And I was like, let's do it. And it was like right away, like literally right when I started. And it was such a fun experiment because everyone in my life, even the most supportive people in my life, which are my my immediate family, my parents, my brother, they really are believers that you can do anything. But they were like, really? But you can do anything. But this, like, really? And it was so fun to kind of see, have that, like, I don't think really this is something you'll be successful at and be like, watch me, right? So that step four is like, decide you're up for all of the feels though. So when I first started, I sent out an email um, to 50 of my closest family and friends. It's kind of like what they recommend you do. And I was like so excited. This email was so passionate, so detailed. I'm like, can't we? We're all going to start. Let's do this. And nobody responded. Okay. Not nobody. Two people responded. One person to say, that's so exciting. Good luck. And another person to be like, no, not interested. (laughs) Nobody else. 48 of my closest friends and family or who I thought they were, were, were interested. Right. And so I could have right there used that to back up this belief that it wasn't going to be possible for me. This just wasn't in the cards. It's not for you. And I could have given up right there, but I didn't. I was up for all the feels. I decided that beforehand. I decided I was up for feeling rejected. I was up for feeling kind of embarrassed and humiliated as I attempted, I remember recording to do, try to do a pull up for the first time and I couldn't do it at all. And so it was just a video basically of me just being like, just like, you can imagine it was terrible, but I was up for it. And if you want to do impossible things, you cannot, I repeat, cannot get to the impossible without feeling negative emotion. So important. So be willing to feel all the feels there. Number five is don't spend your time or energy in the process of doing an impossible thing, trying to control other people, trying to control what they think trying to control how they feel about you and what you're doing or about anything or trying to control what they do, how they support you, how they show up, what they say, or any of other people's thoughts, feelings, actions, their models to try and create your result. You don't need anyone to do anything to create your own result. And what I usually get back from this is what about a result that you want that includes another person, like a relationship and you want one of the results you want is an amazing relationship, but the other person is just like not doing the thing you need for them to have a amazing relationship. So in comes thing number four that I did that other people told me was impossible. Not everyone, but some people, which is to have a loving and close and intimate and consistent relation, co-parenting relationship with my ex-husband. Now, this was (laughs) one of the more difficult of the impossible things to endure because there's so many emotions going on here, right? And uh, there, of course, there is another person, but I was not confused about what a relationship is. A relationship is your thoughts about another person. And so my relationship with him didn't really have anything to do with his relationship with me. We have different relationships when we were married and when we're divorced, right? So I had decided that I wanted to have a love and close co-parenting relationship with him. And 
also like involve him in the life with my boyfriend and I wanted to you know know his girlfriend this is something that I decided before either of us were even in relationships and I just was visualizing this visualizing this did all of the first steps I believed it was possible I dismissed all evidence to the contrary I didn't care about other examples of people who couldn't do it or examples from his past or my past or anything like that I came up with my own headline we're gonna do it we're gonna beat the odds it's gonna be amazing and I decided I was up for feeling like crap then I stopped trying to control him to feel it I basically said to him I love you and there's nothing you can say to me or do that's gonna change that there's nothing you can do about it I love you and there's nothing you can do about it how powerful and that thought has helped us get through some of the toughest times of that and get to a place where really I feel like not just for me where I had it the whole time but for him as well it's a loving close co-parenting relationship and that's something that I decided intentionally and I didn't have to control him at all to do it. People say the same thing with money. Well, how can I set this goal and do this impossible thing of creating a million dollars when the clients have to actually buy from me and I can't make them buy from me? Well, that's not a great way of thinking about it, right? <laughs> of course, your result, you need to understand that you're in control of your result, how you think about it is driving your feelings and driving your action and producing that result and if you do not think it is possible there will be no result i promise you okay and if you think that the other person has all the control you will not get the result i promise you okay step six is don't be so attached to the how i've said this so many times today i feel like i'm a broken record instead focus on the who who you need to become in order to do this impossible thing and then try all the experiments, right? So don't worry about how it's actually going to happen. But that doesn't mean that you don't do the things and take the action. Yeah, it means you do all the things. Try all, experiment with all of the things. Certainly when I was um, in, like going on my journey of becoming a fitness coach, I tried all of the different ways to connect with people, to find my like platform, to um find my best fitness niche like the program that I loved and and the communication style and it was you know a bunch of experiments a bunch of failures basically which um is going to be the next one which is number seven which is to fail and tweak fail and tweak and fail and tweak you need to be willing to fail so much in order and change it and get right back up in order to do impossible things so if you think that doing something impossible just has to do with feeling great and having success and small wins over time like no it's gonna look like win fail 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 win fail 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 win okay um so be willing for that and then number eight is lean on future you who's already there. How fun is that one? I love this. This is one that I did with saving 18K in six months in a pandemic as a single mom. Isn't that a fun headline? That was my headline for the for last year. I wanted to do this life coach certification, but it's $18,000, which I did not have. And I didn't really understand how I was going to do it. And everybody kept reminding me that I'm a single mom. 
<laughs> and of all the expenses that I had. And I kind of, right, dismissed all the evidence to the contrary, not relevant to me, don't care. Came up with my own headline, included all of those other things. I was like, sure, I'm a single mom. Yeah, it's a pandemic. Yeah, I only have six months and I'm going to save 18K and it's going to be amazing and I'm going to pay for it. Committed to that. Had only really saved about three to 4K by the time the first payment was coming around or maybe I had like 5K. Anyway, I had the first payment and then I had a little bit left over, but not quite the second. And it was going to be monthly payments, six monthly payments of three 3K. And I signed up anyway. I was like, all right, now my back's really up against the wall. I got to do this. I got to do this. Got to make it work. And wouldn't you know it, I leaned on future Jess. I was like, every time I kept hitting a snag, every time I'd get no's or something would fall through or a client, like something would happen, I would just be like, how would future Jess, who already has these clients and who already has these money, this money, how would she handle this? And that question really helped me to get to that place where it wasn't impossible and then inform myself. Like future Jess is so much smarter than me. (laughs) I wouldn't say smarter. I'm pretty smart too, but she's wiser than me, right? Because she knows the how. She's got the hindsight. So it was helpful for me to like lean on her and be like, hey, I know I'm really freaked out about this, but like, how would you handle this? And she'd be like, listen, it's already done. So like, why are you freaking out? You can relax. It's, it didn't happen that way. Obviously, you can see that. The client didn't sign up. Keep going. Helps me relax into the process and really lean into the inevitability of it already being done. Yeah? Now, um, number nine is um, be curious about anyone who isn't on board as you're going along. Whether it is the people like your significant other or your friends and family or whether it's the clients, depending on your goal, right? Be curious about anyone who isn't on board. I usually like to put them in three categories. Either this person is not on board because they're confused. <laughs> That's like my favorite one. People are, I'm like, oh, they don't, they don't think that I'm a fitness coach because they don't know future Jess, who is a fitness coach. Obviously, they're just confused. Or this client is saying no to signing up. Like, are they just confused? They might need a little bit more explaining. Oh, David said no to hiring me. Maybe he just needs more exposure to me to love me, which truly, that's what happened. I just hung around until they hired me. And same thing with, um, you know, creating um, that relationship with Dustin when he was like not so open to being close. <laughs> I was like, you're confused. We're going to be close. It's going to be amazing, right? Obviously, of course, I respected his boundaries and the time, but I wasn't making it mean anything about me when other people were showing up not in the way that I thought that they should. Does that make sense? That that thought really helps me. Now, if someone else isn't on board, if they're not confused, maybe they're just not part of your result creation this time. Maybe they're a hater or in the case of, Um, a potential client, right? Maybe they're just not your target market. Either they're confused or they're not your target market. Or the third category, which is maybe they're just showing you where you need to grow. So in the case of the co-parenting relationship, um, that was Dustin and co-parenting. Every time that he showed up and was like, no, I don't, you know, I don't like this or I disagree or, you know, I need some space or something that was different from what I wanted out of the thing, I realized that was an opportunity for me 
to take 100% responsibility for my emotions and for what I wanted to create and what for I wanted to do in this in this relationship, right? It was more opportunity if your goal is to make money. If the clients are not saying yes, it's like, oh, maybe if they're not confused and they are your target market, maybe you do have some work to do in your pitch style or in your um, the way that your landing page is, right? It's just giving you an opportunity. So that step nine really in impossible things, in creating impossible things is being curious about anyone who isn't on board and figuring out which category they're in, either confused, not part of your result creation, or um, showing you, they're showing you where you need to grow. And step 10 is remind yourself again that it is inevitable and then practice the let go. So the part to the model um, that I think could use an amendment with all due respect to my idol, Brooke Castillo, who created the model, um, there is this little space between taking action and getting a result that I call the let go. And it's basically where you let go of your role in seeing the results. You let go of the how. You let go of it happening on your timeline or in exactly the way that you expected it to happen. And when you balance the two thoughts that this is totally inevitable and inevitable, I am going to achieve this impossible and you also let go of the need for it to happen, it happens so much quicker, right? Because you're constricting it. You're like suffocating the result and it doesn't want to be with you. <laughs> so um, that is what I have for you, you guys. This is step one through 10 of exactly what I actually did to create all of those um, five examples of the impossible things that other people told me were impossible that I ended up doing, which was get a job in Sevilla when the economy had crashed and I didn't speak Spanish um, and study abroad, travel and live abroad by myself in Peru with no money or contacts, be a fitness coach when I couldn't even run a mile, have a loving, close co-parenting relationship with my ex-husband in a short period of time. Um, save $18,000 in a pandemic as a single mom. Um, and the one that I'm working on right now, my current impossible goal is to make an additional, beyond my expenses and what I need, 25K for a one-shot 25K payment for May 1st for a Stacey Bayman's 200K mastermind. Um, and so I got three months. Game on, right? It ain't over until I win. I'm gonna do exactly what I told you guys to do. I'm gonna go through this one through 10. If you didn't, if you're driving right now, you re-listen to this and you write down every little bit of this episode, all right? I love you guys so much and I believe that anything is possible for you. Believe it yourself, it's inevitable, baby.